Morning, everybody. I feel like I should say Merry Christmas the way we've had all the snow. Uh, and I'm really working on having a good attitude. Look, this is me having a good attitude. I said Mary. I used Mary in a sentence with, with snow, so that's good. I know you guys, some of the students, did you have a late start or no school this week at all? Yeah, well, that's Central Valley. But anyhow, God bless you guys for being here today. I'm really excited to be with you. And this is our last Sunday in this auditorium. And last night as I walked through here and spent an hour or so praying and, and uh, laying hands on these chairs and praying for you, I just was amazed at how good God has been to us and how much he has blessed us and how excited I am to be with you next Sunday in a new place. So uh, keep praying. This week's going to be a busy week for all of us. We're wrapping up today our series called Buck Naked. And we've been talking about buck is, is dollars, is money. And uh, we've been talking about how to manage our money. And today we're going to take a look at the three most important principles to live by. And I'm not overstating it when I say these are the three most important principles to live by. Now, I hope that you found this series practical. I'm not very profound, but if I'm, if I'm anything, I'm practical. And uh, we've been talking about how to help and bring some order to finances and give you a lot of practical information over the last couple of Sundays. I hope you've been encouraged, and I imagine that uh, some of you, maybe a lot of us, have been challenged, and that's okay. But we believe and I believe it with all my heart that the Bible is God's guidebook for living. And that when we look at the word and money, which the Bible has a lot to say about this issue, that we can learn best how to manage the resources that we have from him. Again, what we're going to take a look at this morning are three principles clearly taught in both the Old and New Testament. Now, all the Bible matters. Everything old and new matters to me. And there's truth in it and something that God wants for us. But when you see something consistently taught in both the Old and the New Testaments, probably something that we should take note of. And I'll be honest with you. If you understand these principles, uh, you will be challenged. They will make you a bit uncomfortable. Uh, at times, they still make me a bit uncomfortable. And so I'm, I'm not going to pull any punches today. I'm going to lay it out there. And we're a little raw around here sometimes. I'm just going to tell you. It, it might make you feel a little uncomfortable, a little challenged. And you, if you get them, if you understand them, and you put them into practice, I promise you this, they will rock your world, absolutely rock your world. And those, those are good things. Being a little uncomfortable and getting our world rocked is good because that's how we grow. One of the very first mentors in my life, I was in high school and at a crucial age in my life, uh, and a youth pastor has always meant a lot to me. I, I love them because uh, I know the influence that they can have to help guide and steer uh, youth towards the Father, towards the Lord. And the youth pastor, the youth leader in the church I went to once told me God's word is a chisel in our life meant to, to form us into the image of his son, to make us a masterpiece for his work. And I will never forget that. His name was Jack Dempster. And Jack said, Kurt, the word of God is, is his chisel. It's the chisel in his hand that he uses to form us into the masterpiece that he's destined us to become. And at first I thought, chisel, hammer, doesn't sound like a lot of fun. But then I got the understanding, and it made sense to me when, I, when he said, it's like Michael, Michelangelo, this big slab of granite's right there, and, and that's pretty much all of us, we're a big slab of hard rock. And then God, the Spirit, God through his word begins to chisel away and to remove the parts of us that are really not necessary, not formed into his image. And the end result, the cool part is the end result is that we become a masterpiece for God. The issue for us is whether we'll embrace that or resist it, whether we'll embrace the word of God and let it form us, let it transform us, let it work and chisel away at those parts of us that need to be or whether we'll reject it. I would encourage you this morning to embrace it, to let the word challenge you. Whether you're new to Christianity, uh, whether you're investigating Christianity, whether you've been around for a long time, 
What we're going to take a look at today may seem a bit hard, hard as a chisel. But again, it is a chisel that God wants to use to form us. I just feel like we need to pray again because I want your hearts to be open. Let's pray. Father, it doesn't matter what I say if your spirit is not working in our hearts to open us up to your truth. And so my prayer right now is that you would give us ears to hear. That you would open our hearts, open our eyes, and that you would speak to us through your word, through your spirit, and through me. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, some principles to live by. Here's the first one if you're taking notes this morning. The principle of stewardship. The principle of stewardship. Now, the word steward or stewardship is, a, is an old word. Things has been around since the 12th century. Uh, it simply refers to one who manages the affairs of another. A synonym for steward would be servant, maybe even slave. The antonym of that, the opposite of that, would be boss or, or master. And the point here is that a steward serves as he manages the resources uh, that belong to someone else. Let me say it again. We talk about the principle of stewardship. A steward is one who manages the resources. He manages the resources that belong to someone else. He's not the owner. He's not the director. He's not the possessor or proprietor. He or she serves at the pleasure of another for the benefit of someone else who is over them in rank, position, and authority. Now, I know, given the choice, most of us would prefer to be in charge. Some of us, maybe not, but most of us say, I want to be the master of my own destiny. Given the opportunity, most of us would rather call the shots. Thank you very much. I get that. I know that. I'm stubborn. I, under, I can relate. But to become a Christ follower, listen carefully, especially if you're investigating Christianity today. I want you to hear this, and I don't pull any punches on this either. If you want to be a Christ follower, it means to surrender control of your life. In fact, it means to surrender to your everything to the one that we call Lord. And that word Lord is an important word. In our understanding. And to become a Christ follower is to surrender our all. To become a Christian does not mean that we just add God to our life. And what breaks my heart is all too often I see that in people. I hear that in them. It's like they've just bought a little, you know, app for their life. I got my God app. I'm good to go. And when I need my God app, I'll bring it up on my iPad or on my iPhone or whatever. And that's not the way it is. To be a Christ follower is to completely surrender our all to him, our life to him, our everything to him. When Jesus had a conversation about how to enter the kingdom of God with a guy that we call the rich young ruler, this is what he told him. It's found in Luke 18. Let me just read it to you. He looked at the guy and he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. And the guy said, I, I'm following all the laws. I'm, I'm obeying all the rules. I'm, I'm doing the work, Jesus. And Jesus looked into this guy's heart. He says, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw this guy walk away, he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is. Now, I want to surprise you with something. The issue here isn't money. Money is not the problem. The Bible says the love of money is the problem, but money is not the problem. The issue here was ownership. And I don't know if you've read this story or thought about it that way before, but that's precisely what's going on here. Jesus looked into this rich young ruler. He looked into this young man who said, I want to inherit eternal life. I want to, I want to follow you. I want to do everything I can. What do I need to do to enter to the kingdom? And Jesus looked past all the stuff that he was doing on the outside, and he looked at this man's heart, and he said, Here's the one thing that matters. Here's the thing you need to do. Go sell and give it all up. Why would Jesus ask him to do that? 
because Jesus knew that the, for him there was this issue of ownership. Who was going to be the Lord of his life? Who was going to be the master of his life? Who was going to call the shots? And that's why Jesus said it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God because they've chosen to serve another master. And later on, Jesus said no one can serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. It's not difficult. It's impossible. We cannot. And Jesus got that. Here's what he said in Luke 14, 33, just to add a little bit more to this flame. You cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Guess who said that? Jesus. I didn't come up. This isn't me. Jesus looked at his guys and looked at the crowd. He said, you cannot become my disciple. You cannot follow me unless you're, you give up everything you own. Now, I am not a Greek scholar, but I looked at that word everything. And it's amazing what it means. You ready? This is profound. It means everything. Yeah. Profound, huh? Everything. All that you have. And I know. I know that sounds radical. I know that it flies in the face of the wisdom of this world. But guys, you've got to understand this, and it's because it's, it's so important. Jesus does not require just a piece of your life or a part of you. He wants, in fact, he demands it all. And back to Jack, that first mentor I had in high school, he called me to that kind of life early on. And from the time I was 16 years old, except for a season where I walked away from God, I've understood this, and I have lived by this. It's not just a piece of my life God wants. It's not just an hour on Sunday. He wants my all. He demands it. As Christ followers, when it comes to stuff, money, possessions, we don't get to own anything. We don't. It all belongs to God. Now, that doesn't mean that we're penniless or, or homeless. It means that we become stewards. That's what I'm trying about, this principle of stewardship. We become managers of his resources that have now been entrusted to our care. Whether God's given you a lot or a little, whether you've got billions or nothing, the truth is what you have belongs to him. And your responsibility as a steward, as a manager, is to manage those resources that have been entrusted to your care in a way that honors him. Every time, every time you put a check in that little bag when it goes by, or help a single mom, or give to support a student in Guatemala like, like Laura and I do. Every time you give to support missions, every time you do something like that, you are demonstrating stewardship. You are reminding yourself that you don't own anything, that it all belongs to him. I've mentioned a couple of times that when we started the remodel project for moving next door, that Laura and I believe that God, who is our Lord, he's the boss, that he asks us to empty our savings account and to give all that we have to this project. And I know I've got some pushback from that. I don't know why you have to say stuff like that publicly, isn't it? You know what? I'm not being arrogant or proud. I'm trying to, one of the things I try to do is practice what I preach. And I want to model for you what, what I'm talking about. And did, did I expect every one of you to empty all your savings account and give it to the building project? No. What I expected you to do was hear and obey. I said that again and again and again. Hear God and obey him. Hear God and obey him. Hear God and obey him. And there was a time where for us, and me in particular, to hear, give it all. I, I, to, to empty out our savings account would have been very difficult for me, but not anymore. Why? Because I get this now. And I've, I, I've, I've understood this for a long time. It's not mine. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't have to worry about it because it's not mine. I don't have to hold on to it and grasp it and keep it because it's not mine. I 
can obey. I can release because, Lord, well, it all belongs to you. And if this is what you want, and, and, and I don't know, you know, I mean, good financial wisdom, we've been talking about this. Put money aside, save, pay yourself. Those are all important principles. I get that. But for me, it's like, well, Lord, I guess if something comes down the road that I wasn't prepared for and that we don't have the money, you'll take care of us. And, and he did. He always does. You see, it's an awesome way to live when you live as a manager of the kingdom resources, of God's resources. And when you understand, it's all his. I promise you, I'm telling you, listen to me. It is a cool, awesome, adventurous way to live. Doesn't mean it's always easy. But not once in the 38 years almost that we've been married have we regretted living that way as managers, as stewards of God's resources. The principle of stewardship means it all belongs to him. And if that sounds a little crazy to you, well, take it up with God. Don't email me, email him. Because that's what the Bible teaches. Here's the second one, the principle of first fruits. Another old word, but it's from the Bible. The principle of first fruits, number two. Not only does everything we have belong to him, and you should see the look at some of your faces, but one of the ways we keep our hearts in the right place is to practice this principle of first fruits. Now, the principle of first fruits, let me define it for you. It means that we always give first and our very best to God and his work. First fruits, we always give first and our very best to God and his work. It means that not only do we recognize his ownership, which I just talked about, but in humble, humble gratefulness for his provision. We never give our God the leftovers. We never give him just the scraps. Instead, we honor him first and foremost. King Solomon, almost every week, I think every week in the series, I've read something from the book of Proverbs. Let me read to you Proverbs 3.9 today. King Solomon wrote this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with what you have, and with the first fruits, with the very first. The, living, the New Living Translation says, with the best part of everything you produce. And here's this very same principle taught in Matthew 6. You're thinking, well, that's Proverbs, that's Old, that's Old Testament. doesn't apply to me. How about this one? Proverbs 6.33. Seek first God's kingdom. And what God wants above all else. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus taught. Seek that above all else. Make that first, the first priority in your life. You see, God not only wants our all, he wants us to give to him our very best before we give to anything or anyone else. And I know, believe me, I know. I've been doing this and teaching this for a long time. Some of you thinking, Why? What's the point? I got bills. I got stuff. I got to take care of my family. I got food I got to put on the table. Why would I do that? Well, it comes down to this one very important word, honor. When we give to him first and we give our very, very best to God, we honor him. And it's the way that we show him that we honor him above all else. It's the way that we show God that you really are the most important being in the universe to me, that you really are the one I love with all my heart. Let me illustrate it this way. How would you best honor your wives, guys? By um, ripping off flowers from a hospital room and bringing them home to her? <laughs> or stopping at the local cemetery? It's a horrible thought. And taking flowers from there and bringing them home to your wife? Or by, you know, spending a little bit of money at a, even a grocery store and bringing her home some flowers? What's the best way to honor her? This is not a trick question, guys. Some of you think, well, I don't. Want... <laughs> is that bad? Yeah. We honor by, the, by, by choosing to do something sacrificial, to, to, to bless them. How, here's another one. How, how would you best honor your family? By stopping in the alley behind a local restaurant and dumpster diving for their dinner? 
Or doing the best you can. Maybe you don't have a lot. You just make the best macaroni and cheese you can make in the world. How do you best honor your family? By doing the best you can. By fixing them a wholesome and delicious meal. Doing whatever you can with what you've got. And how do we best honor God? By giving him a few bucks after we've paid off everybody else. Or by writing our first check to support him and his, his kingdom. Honor. It's about honor. It's about our hearts. It's about putting God first. And it's demonstrated where we invest first. Now let me ask you another question. Well, honor, all right, honor. I, I guess I think I know what that means. I guess it makes sense that we should honor God. But why? Again, why, why was that a big deal? Most of what I spent in my time last night here praying about was praying about our hearts, praying about my heart, praying for your heart, praying that you would be overwhelmed by the love of God. See, why would we honor him? Why would we put him first? Why would we care? Well, when we see, when you and I understand how much God has loved us, how great his love is for us, when we understand his mercy and his grace in our lives, to the degree that we're really aware, cognizant, and where we walk in that understanding, to that degree then the natural, supernatural response of our hearts then is to say, oh God, I want to honor you. I want to bless you. I want to put, you have done every, my next breath belongs to you, God. Everything I have, it's from you, oh God. Your goodness in my life is not deserved, God. And so, therefore, I honor you because I love you, because I know your love for me. Love is at the heart of this issue. And it is the heart of the issue. Will we love him? And how we do so is reflected in the way we honor. If you honor your spouse, if you love your spouse, you're going to do the very best. You're, they're not going to get your leftovers. And trust me, if that's what they feel like they're getting, it won't be long and you'll be seeing Pastor Brian, our marriage and family pastor. Because that's not the way you're supposed to live. That's not the way it's intended. If your kids don't honor you as a parent, how do you feel? I have fed this little rug rat. I have wiped his snotty nose. I have given him a house to live in. And he's giving me the What? Yeah, I know you feel very, very, it's sad, it breaks your heart, maybe makes you a little ticked off. Why? Because you've invested, given so much of yourself. But when that child says, Mom, thanks so much, I love you, what does that do? Just melt your little heart. Come here, give me a hug. Because that's what honor, it comes out of a heart of love, out of a relationship where we realize all that you've been given, all that we have. Why would we honor God? Because he's loved us. Why would we give to him our best? Because he loves us. Simply because of his goodness and his love in our lives. The principle of first fruits is the principle of honoring him out of love. Here's the last one. The principle of sacrificial generosity. Now you thought the first two were tough. <laughs> I know. It's like, man, stop. Could you have to, do we have to cover all three of these in one day? Well, yeah. But this principle of sacrificial generosity, and I won't spend as much time on this as I probably should today, but let me be very clear. Let me say, clearly say this about that. Nothing, listen to me, nothing reflects the image of God in us more than sacrificial generosity. Nothing. We are most like God when we give until it hurts. We are most like God when we sacrifice our very best for the kingdom of God. We are most like God when we give with joy for the sake of others. John 3.16, John the Apostle wrote, God so loved the world that he gave. And what did he give? 
He didn't just send an angel, didn't just send a few bucks, didn't just send, you know, somebody to, to show us, you know, how much he loved us. He, he, he sent his son to die for us, to demonstrate how much he loves us. God gave his one and only son. In 1 John 4, 10, John, who got this, he wrote this, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning, here it is, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus sacrificed his life. God sent him to sacrifice his very life for us. God is the ultimate example of sacrificial generosity. Hands down, no question about it, he gets the, the prize. He's the ultimate example. And here's the kicker. You ready? He calls us to be just like him. To be just like him. Now, sacrificial generosity is not easy. It's not always fun. But if and when we practice this principle, if and when we put this principle into place, that's when we look like, sound like, smell like God to a watching world and to a watching Savior. When we put this principle into place in our lives, and we are sacrificially generous towards the kingdom and towards the work of the kingdom and towards others around us. That's when people say, why would you do that? That's, and, and, and even if they don't connect all the dots right away, that's when they begin to see the love of God demonstrated through us. You know why you're here? Why when you get saved, God doesn't just beam you up to heaven? So that you can be an example to a watching world of the love of God. We are Christ. Like, we are little Christ. Christ, we are Christians, we are to be like him. And people ought to look at you, see you, where you work, where you live, in your neighborhood, in school, in the, the city that we live in and beyond. They ought to look at you and see something radically different. That instead of being a hoarder and selfish and, and it's all about me, 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 look at that person, how they give and they give and they give and they sacrificially lay their lives down and they'll do anything for someone. And why? And at some point, it's, it is a beautiful thing when they ask you, why? Because you can say, because that's what God has done for me. Because that's what he's done for me. He gave his best for me. He laid his life down for me. He loved me with sacrificial generosity. How could I do anything less than that? For others. Perhaps one of the best examples of this in the Bible is found in Mark chapter 12, and I can't think of a better story than this one that illustrates this principle of sacrificial generosity. Let me read it to you, Mark 12, 41 to 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the, the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. In the temple, there were these boxes lined up and uh, they were uh, near the, the entrance, and people they would come and they would drop their offering, their, their offering bags, their tithes, their, their money, their coin, their whatever, into these bags. And Jesus is sitting there. What, get the picture. He's sitting there. He's watching. People put their money in the temple treasury. And many rich people threw in large amounts. Cling, ching, chunk, the big bags. But a poor widow, verse 42, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him. I don't know what they were over doing, having a coffee break, whatever. He said, guys, come here. Calling his disciples to him. Jesus said, truly, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. All the others combined. They all gave out of their wealth. 
But she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live in, live on, everything. First thing I want you to notice here is that Jesus was watching what people gave. Now, that makes us uncomfortable. But I think the point here is that it matters. It matters. He watched. But the second thing, more importantly, I want you to notice here is that Jesus was not excited about the rich who gave out of their wealth. Didn't cost them anything. There was no great sacrifice. That is not what excited Jesus. Now, that's what would have excited everybody else on the planet at that point, including probably the priest. Wow, thanks, Bob. Way to go. Drop more, baby. Good, good, good job. I mean, everybody else would have been impressed by that, but Jesus was not excited by that. What he was blown away by was this poor widow, probably a single mom, by the way who gave all, everything she had, all she had. And Jesus said, and I, I wish we could play the video on this one. Because it's like, guys, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Look at this. Did you just see her? Look at what she just put in. Everything. Now, how did he know that? Well, Jesus supernaturally had the ability to know things, to see what was going on. And he, he looked at her. And I cannot imagine, I do not for a second think she came in and went, you know, whatever, you know, dumped it in and walked away. I don't think that's, I, th I don't think Jesus would have been impressed with that either, do you? I think what he saw was the sacrifice and yet the joy in her heart. Oh God, my next breath belongs to you. Everything I have, this little, this is, but she honored him. She loved him. She loved the Father. And so she put in all that she had. And Jesus said, guys, that would have. That person, that poor widow, she's put in more than everybody else combined. She's done more than everybody else. And I'm sure the disciples are going, ah, they didn't get a lot of stuff at that point. I'm sure they didn't completely understand. But Jesus said, now this is the sacrifice that honors God. Sacrifice is giving away what hurts. It's giving away what's sometimes painful to give. But it's giving because of what he's given to us. And by the way, it's also giving beyond our ability. I think, well, I, you know, it's giving way. It, it, there, there has to be this moment where God just smiles on us and we smile at him. And, it's, and it goes way beyond us. We're never more like God than when we see giving not as an obligation, but as an opportunity to show our love to the Father. Two very important words. Did you hear them? We are never more like God than when we see giving not as an obligation but as an opportunity to show our love to the Father. Years ago, in fact, it was uh, when we, about a, ah, probably six months after we moved into this place, a guy came up to me after a service, as sometimes is the case, and he had a bone to pick with me. And uh, he said, I really don't like the fact that we passed those stupid green bags. We've had the same bags forever. Stupid green bags around. So, I feel like it's way too public and I'm pressure. I feel pressure every time that thing gets passed in front of me. And he was really, I mean, he was in my face, not happy. And I, I listened. I listened because I truly loved this guy and I cared about him. And he'd been with us for a couple of years. And I, and I, I listened and, I, and I, I thought, Lord, what do I say to this? And I looked him in the eye and I gently said to him, I said, brother, I said, you know, in all my years of pastoring, in all my years, and I've been pastor over 30 years, not one time have I ever had a generous person complain about an opportunity to give. 
Not once. Now, I didn't say that. You think, well, that's kind of harsh. No, I said it gently. And I wasn't judging him, but I was challenging him and the condition of his heart. He saw it as an obligation. You know, don't do that. I don't like the pressure. Generous people see it as an opportunity. Wow. In fact, generous people, I, I just, I know I'm going to go. I, you know, there's a couple other great churches in town. Come see me. I'll send them to you if you want to know where they're at. Because some of you think, I'm done. Guys, generous people, here's the attitude of a generous heart. God, I wish I had more that I could give to you. Thank you. I think that poor widow, I really do. I think as she dropped those two last coins in that bucket, she thought, oh, God, I wish I had more. I wish I could give more. This is all that I have, but generous people, people who get the principle of sacrificial generosity, their heart is, I wish I could do more. I wish I could give more. When we understand and remember all that God has done for us, we will want to give, and in fact, we will look for opportunities to do so. If you're really ticked off at me right now, whether you're sitting in this room or watching online, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, do a heart check. What's going on here? You preachers, all you ever want, I'm talking about money, money, money. No, it's not true. That's not true. Not here. But if you're bugged by this, if this bothers you, my question to you would be why? What's going on here? Because a generous person remembers all that God has done, and they want to give. In fact, they look for opportunities to do so. When we celebrate the image of God being formed in us, we will celebrate the joy that we have, the opportunities we have to give as God has given to us. Standing in a grocery line not too long ago, and I could tell there was a single mom. I assumed that. I felt like the Lord told me that, but it doesn't really matter. She obviously was poor. And she'd walked up, and you've seen it, you've been there. Got her stuff going through the belt, gets done. The checker says, well, that'll be, you know, whatever it was, $69.99. And the look on her face was, uh-oh. And she said, well, we're going to have to take that off. And we're going to have to take that off. And I I'm sorry. And she's embarrassed, and she's trying to pull coins out of her, her purse. And she's embarrassed. And in that moment, and I don't, again, say, guys, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, this is what, when you have this heart, this is what God does in you. It's God. It's not me. In that moment, I, my heart just broke. And I, I leaned over and I said, sweetheart, it's okay. I'll pay for the rest of it. And she looked at me with a stunned look. At, at, unfortunately, in our culture, it was stunned and it was part of like, I'm not going to sleep with you, dude. You know, I'm not, <laughs> no, no, no. No, I'm not, I'm not asking for anything. And I can just see the look, and I just said, no, I'm not asking for anything. It's, it really, I, I just, it would be an honor. It would be a privilege for me just to help you with this. And tears. <laughs> and you know what? My heart, I was, it was joy. And there really wasn't that much sacrifice on my part. 20 bucks to help us sing a mom was not that big a deal. When you remember what God has done, what he's given, you just want to give.
Paul wrote this. One last verse and I'm done. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you. Uh, by the way, that means you. Each of you. Should give what he's decided. Here it is. In your heart. In your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. I'm going to let you off the hook right now. Here's, don't put anything in the offering today if you can't give with a cheerful heart. Don't do it out of obligation. Do it as an opportunity. Don't do it under compulsion. Do it because you love the one who loved you more than his own life and gave his all for you. But I had something to pray for you. Father, I am... Um, I know that every time I talk about money, somebody leaves our church. That breaks my heart. I know that some, Lord, have been abused in places, other churches, other ministries where it was all about money and they were guilted and shamed and manipulated into giving. And I pray that you would heal them, Lord, of that hurt and of that past of that tainted perspective they have now of this issue in church. And God, with all that is in me, I pray that you would just give us eyes to see, ears to hear. Where I started, Lord, in prayer, I finish. Help us, God, to see how much you love us, to see how great you've been to us, how good you've been to us. And God, just work in our hearts. Make us people who love you so much that we radically understand everything we have, everything we have belongs to you. And when you say, do this, okay, you're the Lord. No problem. You're the boss. When you say, give to help others, we give without even hesitating, Lord, because it's, it is the response of the heart that's been touched by you. That we sacrificially, Lord, will give because you've sacrificially gave for us. God, give us that eye, that heart, that understanding, that perspective right now. Holy Spirit, do it, because I can't. Do it in us, I pray. And change us. Mold us, shape us. Lord, your word's a chisel, but your end result, your goal is to make us into a masterpiece that honors you. Thank you for that. If you're here today, you've not begun your life as a Christ follower. And you want to begin your life following Jesus. And I made it pretty clear today. It means giving up everything, surrendering to him. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer right now. And if that's you, and you know in your gut, you know that this is what you need to do. And that you can't leave here today without making the decision to give your all to him. And that that's the best thing you can do. That that's the answer to all the questions you've been asking. Then make this prayer yours right now. Father, I surrender. I give up. I give my life, everything I have, everything I've dreamed about, I give it to you. And I embrace your love for me, and I, I accept your forgiveness. I, I ask you, God, forgive me for all that I've done, and help me now to walk from this place, from this day, moment on, from this day on, as your child, consumed by your love. 
overwhelmed by your love and in turn loving you and loving others because of it. I pray that in Jesus' name. If that's you, just say, yep, God, that's me. That's what I need. That's what I want. The Bible says the moment you do, you become his child. You begin that journey. Lord, for, for those making that decision right now, bless them. Show them what it means. And lead them. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Tables as you walk out the door, it says for new Christians on it, pick one of those up and tell somebody, you'll make their day, to let them know, today I surrender my all to him. The prayer team will be down front. There's going to be on both sides of the room. One last thing I want to say to you guys. I know that God wants to stretch our hearts to become a church in this valley that does even more than we've done. I'm excited about moving next door, and we're growing, and great things are happening. And to get there, we're going to have to keep our hearts in that place where we keep saying over and over again, God, you're everything. You're our all in all. And you're the one. And we're going to shout your name above all names. We're going to make you famous in this valley and beyond because of what you've done for us. And that's what I want you to do today. As you leave this place, make his name your name. The name on your lips. Make it the, the, the center of everything in your life this week. As you do, I know the Lord will take good care of you. One last thing, too, is the tables, if you didn't get to sign up or didn't have a pen, uh, you know, our kids' ministry is growing. And as we grow, we, just, we need to take care of you. Know, it's not every Sunday, even once a month, if you can help us. And there's a table right out there in the hallway if you can stop by and ask questions from the ladies there and sign up as well. God bless you guys. Go walk with Jesus this week. Thanks for coming today.